we are doing a series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, so uh, we are up to commandment number eight, as you can see. Um, and if uh, you would like an outline of the uh, sermon, then it's in the order of service uh, that uh, you hopefully scanned on your way in. And if you didn't, then um, you can get it from online. If not, you can just listen. Uh, there is an old joke about the billionaire who called his lawyer and his accountant to his deathbed. And he wanted them to stand on either side of him in his last hours. And they were pretty pleased to do that uh, until he told them why. Like my Lord, he said, I want to die between two thieves. Now, like I said, uh, today we're looking at the command, you shall not steal. Uh, and that's part of the Ten Commandments that God gave to his people Israel. Uh, nearly 1,500 years before Christ, God had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He had brought them to Mount Sinai uh, to make a covenant with them. And in Exodus 20, God gave them the Ten Commandments, or actually the Ten Words, uh, to them on that mountain. Uh, and then there'll be further elaboration and application of these commandments for Israel, uh, in the next part of Exodus, which we call the covenant code, uh, as, well, as well as in the rest of the law, uh, in Leviticus, in Numbers, in Deuteronomy. And so those Ten Commandments and their derivatives were clearly part of the Old Covenant. Uh, they weren't given directly to us. We are in the New Covenant. This is the Old Covenant. We are not under the law of Moses. We are under the law of Christ. But they do have application for us. Because the God who gave these commandments for the people of Israel is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. His character doesn't change. The Old Testament commandments are there to teach Israel explicitly how to love him, and how to love neighbor. The New Testament, New Covenant documents, are there to teach us how to love God and how to love neighbor. And one of the things the New Testament teaches us is that while we are not under the law, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us in righteousness. In other words, the New Testament tells us the Old Covenant law is still part of God's Word. It still has a role to teach us how to love God, how to love neighbor. And so we listen to God's Word in the Old Covenant. And we apply it, not as Israelites who are under the law, but as Christians who are in the New Covenant, who are guided by the Spirit in the Word, and in that law, uh, that has been fulfilled in Christ. Right? Uh, and that's what we've been doing in our series so far, looking at each of those Ten Commandments. Uh, we've looked at those Ten We saw that God wanted Israel to worship Him exclusively, take no other gods beside Him. That was the first one. He wanted them to avoid idolatry, not to worship or bow down to, to, to any image of anything. That was the second one. The third commandment, you remember, He warned them not to take His name in vain. And the fourth, to keep the Sabbath holy. The fifth, to honor their parents. And the sixth and seventh, not to murder or commit adultery. And now today, we come to number eight. The eighth commandment is stated very simply in Exodus 20:15: You shall not steal. You shall not steal. Now, stealing is actually a very old sin. Uh, in a sense, it's part of the first sin. 
Uh, the sin in the Garden of Eden actually is quite complex, involves several sins, but stealing is, is actually part of it when you think about it, isn't it? Adam and Eve ate the fruit that was not theirs to eat. And in that sense, they stole from God. God was so generous with them. He said, you eat for any tree in the garden, you, you take, but just don't take this one. But they were not content with what God gave them, and they wanted what he had not given. And so they took what was not theirs to take and ate it. And that's at the heart of stealing, isn't it? Wanting something that does not belong to us or is not meant for us and taking it for ourselves. Of course, it's linked to covetousness, but we'll look at that in the 10th commandment, right? because the covetousness, I want this. Um, it comes from a lack of contentment in God's provision for us. And that's also linked to covetousness. But while covetousness is on the inside, stealing is the actual action that comes out of it in terms of taking the possession that belongs to someone else. Now you may recall that each of those Ten Commandments are expanded on in the rest of the law of Moses. Uh, and this commandment against theft is no exception. We, we've seen a bit of that. Uh, in our Old Testament reading today. Remember Exodus 22 verse 1? If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Okay, multiple repayment. But in verse 4, if the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether as an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. Uh, in other words, if he can recover and return, you just pay double. Likewise, in verse 7, if a thief is caught, he shall pay double. Now notice something here. In the Old Testament law, the punishment for stealing property is repayment with property with penalty. You see that? All right. No cutting off hands or anything like that. Huh? Because in the Old Testament law, things to do with relationships like murder, or adultery, actually far more serious than property. Interesting, isn't it? Except one kind of theft. Remember how two weeks ago we saw that murder is so serious because human beings are made in the image of God? Well, in the Old Testament, the most serious theft is the theft of human beings. Uh, human trafficking is condemned. Exodus 21 verse 16 says, Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him, shall be put to death. So property thefts forbidden by the law, but the theft of human beings made in God's image is punishable by death. In the New Testament, uh, stealing is prohibited as well. Uh, Paul cites the command in Romans 2, uh, in Romans 13 as well. Uh, in Luke 3, when the tax collectors come to be baptized by John, uh, he tells them, uh, collect more, no more than you're authorized to do. And when soldiers come to him, he says, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. In Titus 2.10, uh, Christian slaves mustn't pilfer but show good faith so as to adorn the doctrine 
of God our Savior. In 1 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy, 1 Peter 4.15, Peter says it's fine to suffer as a Christian, but not as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. All right? If you suffer for doing these things, you should be ashamed. But there's no shame in suffering for Christ. And then in Revelation 9, God sends many plagues onto the world uh, to warn people to turn away from sin. And it's written, the rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands or give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. In other words, theft, together with all those other sins, will attract God's judgment upon the world. What about that worst kind of stealing in the Old Testament? Does that come up in the New Testament as well? Well, it does. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, we read a whole list of things that is not compatible with the gospel. Listen to what it says. It says, The law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually moral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory, the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. The word enslaver there is someone who sells people as slaves, including someone who kidnaps people and sells them into slavery. He says that is certainly contrary to sound doctrine. You know, when we think about slavery, we often think, in our minds, we go back to, you know, the people who were enslaved in America and a few centuries ago. Well, actually, modern-day slavery still exists, isn't it? Uh, and that's facilitated by human trafficking, which is a big problem, even in 21st century Malaysia. Sometimes foreign workers with debt bondage are sold for sexual mistreatment. Sometimes babies are taken and sold for adoption. Or young boys and girls are sold by their family for sexual or labor exploitation. Sometimes undocumented people, like refugees and asylum seekers, who are therefore vulnerable, are subjected to physical and psychological abuse, forced to work long hours in hazardous conditions, degrading conditions without pay. Recruitment agencies and illegal sub-agents sometimes impose high fees on workers, which means they're saddled with debt bondage because they can't pay back. They remain under the control of their employers who mistreat them. It can happen to domestic workers working in homes in our community. It can happen to foreign workers building our offices, growing our food. And that is a terrible evil in our country. A Christian should be part of working against that uh, as part of loving our neighbor. Now we can't all be involved individually on every issue. Um, as a body, we play a role. Right? There are people in our own church who are seeking to bring change through a Christian organization they are working with. So if you're someone who's burdened to do something about it, then just fill out a connect card. Let us know and I'll connect you uh, with them. But even if we're not directly involved in confronting this problem, 
we must certainly play no role in perpetuating it. Human theft is incompatible with the gospel. But there are also other forms of theft. Corruption is a form of theft because resources that don't rightly belong to someone ends up in their pocket. Someone else, usually the public, ends up paying the price. That's a big problem in our country too, isn't it? In the corporate world, people hive large amounts of money from companies into other companies that they control through elaborate means and well, that's stealing from the shareholders over here, isn't it? And of course, there's a simple robbery and theft we see around. And no Christian should be involved in any of this. Now, I doubt there are many people here who will snatch handbags or break into someone's house. Doubt there's anyone here who will hack into the bank's IT system and then transfer money to your own account. But, if we download pirated music or software or games from the internet, well, well, that's stealing as well, isn't it? If we photocopy our textbooks without permission, or we download illegal PDF copies, we're stealing from the publisher. If we cheat on our taxes by failing to declare taxable income, we are stealing from society. If we fail to pay our staff proper benefits, we're stealing from those who, who work for us. If we purposely default on our loans when actually we could have paid, we are stealing from those who lent to us. If we take office supplies home and that's against company policy, then we're stealing from our company. If we use work time to scroll Facebook or play computer games or even do ministry and we don't make it up, then we're stealing from our employer. If we eat food from the fridge at work and it's not ours to eat, we are stealing from our colleagues. If we claim more overtime or travel allowance or other benefits than we truly deserve, then we are stealing from our company. If we take things from the hotel that we're not entitled to take, then we're stealing from that. If we use someone's Netflix or Disney Plus account, who we're not entitled to share with, we're stealing from the corporation. If we advertise falsely, we are stealing from those who think we, what we are selling is more valuable than what it is. So many different ways of taking what is not rightfully ours. And all of them not compatible with who we are in Christ. Ephesians 4.28 says, The thief who comes to believe in Christ let him no longer steal. But there is also another way that we can break this commandment. In the Old Testament book of Malachi, God had brought his people back from exile. And even though they came back from the exile, 
they once, a turn, once again turned away from God and actually they broke this commandment. Listen to what God says to them in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. You see, the people of Israel, they were robbing God by not giving him the tithes that was due. And so there was a lack in the temple. Now, we need to be careful here because we're not under the law. We're not under a legal obligation to tithe. There's no set amount that we have to give for God's work. And that if we don't make that amount, then we are robbing God. Uh, we're not to give to God legalistically, but, but from the heart. And, and that's actually a bigger obligation. So actually, we need to ask ourselves, what have we withheld from God in our hearts that rightfully belongs to him? Remember Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And in that context, what was Caesar's? It was the coin with Caesar's image on it. And what is God's is us with God's image in us. Our life belongs to God. He's the creator. Our life belongs to God because... He's our Redeemer. Jesus bought us with His blood. We are His twice over. We just sang that, right? Everything we have, everything we are, is His. So we're going to live our lives to love and serve Him. So that in everything that we do, how we use our time, how we use our money, how we relate to each other, how we work, how we rest, how we look after our family. All of that we are to do for Him. There should be no part of our lives that we withhold from Him. There should be one section of our lives we say, okay, okay, God, you don't come in here. This is my bit. I'll do it my way, this part. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Because to do that is to rob God of what is rightfully His, which is all of us. Now, when we put it that way, it becomes clear that actually we all are guilty of breaking this commandment. Like Adam and Eve, we are thieves. Most, if not all of us, have taken what does not belong to us at some time or other. And even if we think we haven't done so, we can't deny that we've still robbed God. And that's not surprising because of our hearts, right? Jesus said, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. It's all coming from the heart. When we fail to keep God's commands about these things, we show symptoms of a heart that is defiled. Uh, the law shows us our sinfulness. And it shows us that if we hope to be right with God by our own goodness and obedience, we would never be able to do that. Can't even keep the command not to steal. The law shows us our need for a savior. And here's the good news for thieves. Jesus 
is the Savior who saves thieves. Remember when he died on the cross? He really died between two thieves. One of them mocked Jesus because they didn't believe him. The other started off in a mocking way, but humbled himself, said to Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. My friend, you and I are thieves. I only plead with you to be like the second thief, not the first one. Jesus can forgive thieves because he died for thieves. He kept the law perfectly, never stole anything. He gave himself for us all. Loved the Father perfectly from the heart. Loved his neighbor as himself. And when he died between two thieves, he, it was as if he was a thief himself. He died a thief's death, even though he wasn't. He paid for the sin we inherited from Adam, that first theft in the garden. He paid for the ways that we have robbed God of what he deserves from us. He paid for each one of our smaller thefts that we thought was so petty, but actually would have landed us in hell for eternity. He took our curse, our shame, our punishment, our failure for keeping the law, including this commandment on himself, and in doing so purchased our forgiveness and pardon, and then rose from the dead to give us new life. That thief on the cross who repented received eternal life, but he didn't have the chance to live that new life now. You and I do. In the new commandment, the new, new covenant in which we are part, God, God gives us his spirit that we might love him and obey him from the inside. The spirit teaches us to love God and love our neighbor. And he teaches us that stealing from others is not love. And so the spirit says to the apostle Paul in Romans 13, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Any other commandment is summed up in the word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So, we don't obey the Spirit by loving our neighbor in order to be saved. We do it as a response to the salvation we have in Jesus. And we love God, we love others because he loved us first. And if we do that, then we won't just obey the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. If we give ourselves to God, we'll give ourselves from the heart, even though imperfectly. And in loving our neighbor, we will seek to go beyond not just stealing from them, but to do good to them. Remember how I quoted Ephesians 4.28 earlier? It continues, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You see that extension there? Love goes beyond simply not stealing from others, but to actually helping them. Doing honest work, working hard, and then being generous with others, 
who are in need. That is the opposite of stealing. Uh, and in the New Testament, that's what we as Christians should cultivate. In Luke chapter 10, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus speaks about a man who was robbed and beaten and left for dead on that lonely road from Jericho up to Jerusalem. A priest saw him and passed by on the other side. A Levite saw him and passed by on the other side. And a Samaritan had compassion on him, bound his wounds, put him on his own animal, took him to the inn, paid the innkeeper to look after him, promised to come back and settle any further expenses. You know that story? Think about the people in that story. There were the robbers who hurt the man. There was a priest and the Levi who ignored him. And there was a Samaritan who helped him. If we love our neighbor, then we will not rob him like the thieves did. That's as far as the law can take it, right? You shall not steal. But Jesus teaches that's not enough. Not enough to be like the priest or the Levite. They would have never robbed the man. Can you imagine the priest or Levite? No, they wouldn't do that. But they didn't help him either. Jesus wants us to love, which goes beyond just not stealing from others, but showing mercy by lovingly, sacrificially helping those in genuine need. Because that's what he did for us, isn't it? And so, brothers and sisters, do not steal. Where we have stolen, let us repent, and where appropriate, let's make restitution. Let's be content in God's provision for us. Let us seek to be kind and generous to those who are really in need. And let us offer ourselves to God once again to love Him and to serve Him with all of our lives because we really do belong to Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are yours. You created us. And when we sinned against you, you redeemed us with the blood of your Son. We are yours. So please help us to give you what we owe you, not to rob you in our lives. Please help us to love our neighbors as well. May we be people who steal nothing from others but instead do good to them and to society for the honor of your name. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.